0: And good morning, church. Good to see you all here uh, this morning. It's good to be with you today. Um, we're going to be continuing in our series, I'm Giving Up for Lent. And so as we do that, we're going to be reading from... Uh, Ephesians. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, either a physical Bible or on your phone or tablet, I'm going to invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to start reading at verse 1. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, verse 21, sorry. Ephesians 5, verse 21 is where we're going to start. So would you please stand as we read God's Word together this morning? Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 21. Paul writes, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Verse 28, in this same way. And the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. This weekend, we're talking about I'm giving up. My rights. I'm giving up my rights, and even as I hear myself say those words, what wells up within you is maybe similar to what wells up in me. Are you kidding? Wait, what? I'm giving up what? How? Hold on a second. I mean, we are just in this culture that sort of steers us to, hey, you better stand up for number one, and that would be you. We're talking about giving up our rights. Now, the passages that we read this morning teaches us key spiritual principles and attitudes that are to govern how a husband and wife are to relate. And as well, addressing the issue of parenting. But what we're talking about applies to all relationships. Now, unfortunately, this passage of Scripture, portions of the passage of Scripture that we read, have often been misapplied or misunderstood. And I think that's happened because we've not considered the ancient teachings and spiritual principles that this passage Rests upon. I think it's happened because we haven't taken into account the whole of Scripture and its teaching. And I think at times we've also missed the example of Jesus with regards to some of the issues that this passage is addressing. So before we talk about wives, submit to your husbands, and husbands, love your wives. We have to recognize that the images, the pictures, the themes that are contained in this passage in Ephesians, well, they span redemptive history, and they actually have their beginning in the beginning. So we're going to talk about this morning the garden, the cross, and a wedding, the garden, the cross, and the wedding. So for our purposes this morning, this is the Garden of Eden on the state of Illinois budget system. This is what the Garden of Eden... <laughs> Did I just say that? So this is, this is the Garden of Eden for our purposes this morning. So I want you to listen to... Um, this is Roy Hessian in his mighty little book, The Calvary Road. Here's how he describes the Garden of Eden. Listen carefully. Thousands of years ago, in the most beautiful garden in the world, lived a man and a woman. Formed in the likeness of their creator, they lived solely to reveal him to his creation and to each other, and in doing so, to glorify him every moment of the day. Humbly, they accepted the position of a creature with the creator, that of complete submission to his will. Because they always submitted their wills to his, because they lived for him and not for themselves, they were also completely submitted to each other. So in that first home, in that beautiful garden, there was absolute harmony, peace, love, and oneness. Not only with God, but with each other. We are made to submit To God and to each other for the purpose of his glory. We are made to submit to God and to each other for the purpose of his glory. Adam and Eve issue forth, if you will, from the creative imagination of God. Eve is taken from Adam, from his side. And they're reunited in the garden in the very first wedding. Having come from the loving, creative power of God, the two become one. And they live in oneness and submission to their creator, to each other, to creation, all of it for the glory of God. Now here's how one commentator reflected on all that God initiates through Adam and Eve and that very first wedding. Here's what he wrote. The human race springs not from a unit, but from a united pair. The history... Of mankind began in wedlock. The mighty upgrowth of nations and the great achievements of history began in a home. Christian marriage is not the last of many attempts to bring satisfaction of desire or the survival of the human race. No, the establishment of Christian marriage, which Paul writes about centuries later in the book of Ephesians was a great prophetic mystery. And now we come to the cross. We come to Calvary and Jesus' work on the cross. This is where Jesus paid for the sin of mankind. This is where he sets us free from the bondage of sin. This is where he died so that we could live. Now, keeping in mind all that God is establishing in the garden, we're talking about oneness, mutual submission, the glory of God, we remember that when sin entered the world, sin destroyed oneness. Sin destroyed the beauty of mutual submission based on submission to our creator, to God. That's what sin destroys. And that loss is our primary ailment and struggle today. Listen again as we hear from Roy Heshen in the Calvary Road. Now he's going to talk about what happened when sin entered the world. Then one day, the harmony was shattered, for the serpent stole into that God-centered home and with him sin. And now, because they had lost their peace and fellowship with God, they lost it with each other. No longer did they live for God, they lived for themselves. They were each their own God's and because they no longer live for God, they no, long, no longer live for each other. Instead of peace, harmony, love, and oneness, there was now discord and hate. In other words, sin. Now, the cross, Jesus comes. He dies on the cross to bring salvation, He dies on the cross to bring us redemption, He dies to bring restoration. But what does He restore? He restores all that was lost in the garden. This is just one of many verses. Listen to Galatians 3. Here's a description of this. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God to the earth. And the kingdom of God is characterized by oneness that has as its source Jesus. Paul is not advocating the elimination of all distinctions, nor is he advocating the acceptability of same-sex marriage or homosexual relations. You can read about all of that in Romans chapter 1. Now, the world gets this confused, but the scriptures are clear. Our gender and ethnicity is not erased. Rather, the scripture teaches that old divisions and wrongful attitudes of superiority or inferiority based on ethnicity or gender, that is all abolished in Christ. We are brought into Christ and the oneness of the triune God. It is not teaching that gender doesn't matter, that those distinctions between men and women are gone. He's saying that men and women are united. They're joined together in one body, the church of Jesus Christ. Scripture teaches unity within diversity but not sameness. In other words, we are restored and brought back into the oneness that comes from submission to Christ and each other. And all of that began in a wedding in the garden. And all of that reflects God and his creative work, Father, Son, and And Holy Spirit. Listen to Jesus' prayer in the Gospel of John. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. You are not your own. If you are a Christ follower, you were bought with a price. Jesus paid on the cross the price for your sin. And he has set you free from the bondage of sin. But that freedom has purpose. Paul writes in Galatians 5, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather... Serve one another humbly in love. The community aspect of salvation is so important. We are all a part of the body of Christ. We're not our own. We submit to our new leader. We submit to each other for the purpose of bringing glory to God. To be a Christian is to practice in all of our relationships, other-centeredness, humility, and love. Which brings us to Jorge and Esmeralda here. A wedding. Husband and wife come together. We go crazy getting ready for the day. you know. Pictures and, and all the rest of it. What's happening here? What is happening here? This is a picture of all that began in that garden. This is a picture of what Christ is doing to bring oneness into the world, to restore all that was lost an image. It's a perfect image of love. It's a picture of all that God has purposed for us, and his purpose has not changed. The wedding between a man and a woman is a picture of the purposes of God in creation, the redemptive purposes of God in the cross of Jesus, and the restorative purposes of God on earth. And for those of us who are not married, the principle and the picture still applies. Mutual submission is not exclusively for husbands and wives. Other-centeredness is a pattern of living prescribed for all believers, married or single. So with all that in mind, let's take briefly a, a brief look at Ephesians 5, and then we're going to move on to some practical thoughts. So verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We've been talking about this already. This is a crucial ingredient for the Christian. It's not an option. It's not a, well, maybe for the Christian. It's the primary attitude that we're to demonstrate in cooperating with God's restorative work in our relationships as well as his work in the world. And then the word to the wives. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, we have to begin by emphasizing that the instruction to wives to submit to their husbands is only the first example of the mutual submission required of all Christians. A wife's submission to Jesus is the foundation, is the motivation for her submission to her husband in all spheres of life. So this connection then defines all other connections. And in this particular passage, we're talking about husbands and wives. Now, there's no teaching here or anywhere that wives are simply servants who are to obey their husbands. Paul does not use the word obey. There's no license here for husbands to either require or force submission. Just as Jesus redefined greatness as being one who serves, Paul redefines being head as having responsibility to love, to give oneself, and to nurture. The focus here is not on the authority of the husband, but on the self-giving love exemplified by Christ and now called for their husband. So this command stands. The wife is to submit to her husband, but it is clearly within the Christian context of God's purpose and design for relationships. And just so we're clear, gentlemen, a lot more instruction is given to us than to the wives. So we have here, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. Patterned after Christ, the husband is to be emptied of self. You read about that in Philippians 2. That's the pattern. The husband is to willfully prefer his wife's needs over his own. In other words, the husband, in increasing measure, is to become the kind of man that the wife would be delighted to submit to, completely content to submit to. And the love that he's to have for his wife is not limited by feelings. It is set free from that kind of bondage because feelings change, feelings are unpredictable, and feelings have no intellect. In short, the husband is called to die. Just as Christ gave himself up for the church. That's to be the quality of his leadership, the quality of his headship. And in case um, that doesn't make sense, this is my new favorite quote Jesus is Lord over all things. The husband is not Lord over anything. <laughs> and all the wives said, Amen. And our couple clearly demonstrates that the husband is not head of anything because <laughs> clearly head of nothing. He has no head. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite Ruth, my bride Ruth, to come up and help me as we finish up uh, this morning. So give it up for Ruthie. Yay. <laughs> and we're going to um, go over just some practical things and together this morning. Well, too late now. You're here. So. so, what does giving up our rights look like? Oh, sorry. I did your line, so I need to do my line. What kind of people surrender and submit to one another? And what does <laughs> giving up
1: your rights look like? We give up our rights when we are broken over the proud self within us.
0: It is the proud self who is hard and judgmental in its attitude towards others.
1: It is self who justifies anger, a grudge, and harsh words.
0: It is self who stands up for its rights.
1: It is self who is unloving.
0: It is self who always has to be right.
1: It is self who is irritable, resentful, and critical.
0: It is self who is controlling.
1: And this is who we all are, right? We can all relate to this in some form or another and to different degrees. Um, So what does it mean to be broken over our pride?
0: Brokenness is about drawing a circle around yourself and working on everyone in that circle. A lot of what we're talking about is coming from our Reengage marriage ministry. Have you heard about Reengage? We meet on Tuesday nights at 6.30 to 8.30 and are having an amazing... Yay! (coughs) Reengage! Having a great, a great semester, seeing lives change. We're going to start up again mid-August this summer. So this is how we put it in Reengage. This is a great, I think, definition of brokenness. Drawing a circle around yourself and working on everyone in that circle. The way we um, ex- describe it in Re-Engage in the context of marriage is this way. I am the worst problem in my marriage. That's how we say it.
1: It is so natural to instantly be thinking about what others should be doing. Rather than taking responsibility for myself first, thinking about what is my tone like? What is my attitude like? Where is my heart with the Lord? This kind of an inside look requires humility.
0: So we do give up our rights when we practice humility. And now we pause for a brief word from our sponsor. Two illnesses that have reached epidemic proportion today are pride... Two illnesses that have reached epidemic proportion today are pride and opinionatia And many have lost hope. Symptoms include hearing loss,
1: anger, the urge to debate, and delusions of not needing directions.
0: I see pride every day in my practice. It destroys friendships, marriages, and careers. Sufferers can find it impossible for any advice or helpful input. But now there's hope introducing Humilify.
1: After just a few days on Humilify, I was actually able to hear my spouse again. Humilify saved my marriage.
0: I suffered from full-blown, nag-resistant prideful eyes. Humilify completely cured my hearing and my vision. Humilify gave me hope Humilify has also been shown to be effective against other diseases, like I'm the victimitis, get off my cases, and I know best again. Exercise caution. Side effects include sincere apologies, attentive listening, and the realization that other people are intelligent. Make the decision that will change your life. Try Humilify today. Humilify. Isn't it time you swallowed your pride? Blue pills are available in the atrium for purchase after today's (laughs) service. Boy, it would be so much easier if all it took in dealing with pride Uh is a blue pill, wouldn't it?
1: Yes, it definitely would. I'm just gonna share a very condensed and short story um, about my own humility and brokenness and the um, path to that. Uh, My life early on in our marriage and in our ministry seemed great and it looked good i thought i was good Um, seemed humble but i can honestly you guys remember taking communion and sitting there and thinking hmm i can't really think of something i need to be forgiven for i'm not having an affair i didn't murder anyone and just focused on the big sins that people like to talk about but i didn't know myself enough to even know the things that I needed forgiveness for. Um, Not committing the big sins, I thought I was okay. I mean, that's really embarrassing actually to share that. Um, I was a rare find. I was the sinless pastor's wife. (laughs) 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 And honestly, you can go pretty far in life and even in ministry with giftedness and with personality, but you can only go so far. And in God's severe mercy, and for many reasons, uh, we needed to step down from ministry, and we needed to get our personal lives in order. Those were some of the hardest years of our marriage, but also some of the best years. Um, I learned how to be honest. I learned how to be real with myself and with God. I came face to face um, with my sin of self-sufficiency and pride. And those are sins we don't talk about a lot. And I just wanna bring out the challenge. I, I hope you have someone in your life that you can honestly be real with or people in your life that, that know you. Um, I didn't realize how much I needed that and I didn't have that at the time. Um, and I re-engage would have been super helpful for us yep. back in the day. Yep. Um, and so we're not here just to pat each other on the back in amazement and awesomeness, which I love to encourage others. Um, But we need challenge. We need spiritual mentors in our life and we need spiritual challenge. Um, I learned to take care of this, the vertical relationship between me and God, in an attitude of brokenness and humility. Because the horizontal, as we all know, the one another's in life and the circumstances of life will be very unpredictable and very trying. I learned to give up my rights and even my expectations of how I think things should be. And for me, should is a bad word. I'm not allowed to use that word. Um, Because obviously I know bestia, as as the video was telling us. Um, We've dealt with some hard things over the years. We've dealt with um, disease. One of our children that needed years of chemotherapy injections at home dealt with bad choices that our kids have made uh, dealing with an unbelieving son who is um, now an atheist and I've learned that I needed to give up my perceived right to be God and not allow my children to become idols in my life because anything in our lives that becomes all-consuming to us other than God is an idol I've learned how to fully trust in expectant hope that God is working and that he will bring glory to himself through difficult circumstances. And I know for everyone here, there are many, many difficult things going on, um, difficult moves, divorces, job loss, goodness, today a fire. And in my hard times, I would literally, (coughs) excuse me, to like raise my hand to the Lord and say here take take that back this circumstance is yours this child is yours I'm not going to carry this because this is yours and you know work your work do your thing bring your glory and so if you need to in difficult times literally just lift that hand to the Lord and give it to him and don't don't carry that yourself I learned that the refiner's fire may be hot But I now choose the heat and pain of growth over the warmth and comfort of complacency. I learned in humility and brokenness to let God be God.
0: Third time I've heard her share that story, and thanks, honey, um, for uh, talking about some of our journey. And I'm thinking in this service about how much I didn't realize um, that God was going to use this high school sweetheart to transform this selfish heart. That's the, that's the process of marriage, isn't it? isn't it? Just discovering day by day just how selfish you know, I am. And I'm really grateful. I'm grateful for all the joy and, and for the hardship because watching her go through it and process it has really altered and changed in, in so many ways you know, my own spirit and that mirror that she provides has, has, has just helped me so many times. So, you know, we're talking about um, this whole idea of giving up our rights and we do that by just being broken over the proud self that's inside of me and in all of us in some degree. And the way you do that is by drawing a circle around yourself and working on everyone in that circle. But that requires humility. And so we're going to close up by talking about what does practicing humility look like. And here are some suggestions.
1: You can handle unfair treatment peacefully when you are humble. You can respond to unfair treatment without becoming bitter. Godly humility means you do not feel a need for vengeance or revenge. Please read with me Ephesians 4, 31 and 32.
0: Get, Get rid, rid of, of all bitterness, bitterness rage, and, and anger, anger, brawling and slander, slander. Along, along with, with every, every form, form of, of malice. malice be kind, kind and, and compassionate, compassionate to, to one, one another forgiving each other just, each other, just as, as in christ god also forgave you you can diffuse arguments when you're humble you don't need to stand up for yourself in an angry manner and you don't have to win every argument would you please read with me proverbs 15 1. A A gentle gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh harsh word stirs up anger.
1: In a difficult conversation, you can talk with the right attitude when you are humble. You can talk lovingly and calmly, even if you need to be firm. Please read with me Ephesians 4, 29.
0: Do not not let let any any unwholesome unwholesome talk come come out out of your your mouths, but only what is helpful building building others up according according to to their needs, that that it it may benefit those who listen. You know, one of the most powerful ways that we can express love to our spouse or to anyone really is um, with our words. Pastor Errol talked to us about avoiding inappropriate talk and language. And there's another side to our words. There's uh, what's behind our words in terms of our tone or the attitude that we communicate with our words. And so, you know, even in the past month, um, Ruth has pointed out to me, called me out on uh, the tone and attitude that I'm bringing to her. She'll ask a question or simply look for clarification. And the way I respond, it's not like we're fighting or going at it. It's just what I'm communicating to her in the tone of my response is don't bother me. You know, why don't you know this? You know, I can't be, I don't want to talk about this right now. I, I can communicate all kinds of just negative things and total lack of love in the tone and how I choose to respond in my attitude to the simplest things. And and guys, we struggle with this. We're a certain way at work. We communicate in a certain way at work. We're communicating in a certain way with it, with our friends and our buddies or in other contexts. And then we get home and for some reason we give ourselves permission and we open up the floodgate and we can talk to our wives and our children in any way that we please. I can remember teaching our youngest daughter, Carly, when she was a little girl, just some piano basics. And I was getting impatient because I'm an an impatient person. I tend to marginalize people quickly in my impatience. And suddenly I turned to her, and I I can see her countenance in my mind right now. She's looking at me, tears streaming down her cheeks, and she has a smile on her face as if to say, it's okay, Daddy, you're a buffoon. (laughs) And she would have been right if she would have said that. You know, that's my impatience and and my attitude coming out. And Paul writes about this. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Exasperate, causing strong feelings of irritation or annoyance. I got that one down pretty good. And, And Paul is saying, look, Dad, when you speak to your children, even if you have to be firm and talk about hard things, don't pull out of that conversation love, concern, care, Other-centeredness. And children, children, your attitude is to be loving and humble in your obedience to mom and dad. So teenager or child, one of the best ways you can practice humility and pattern your life after Jesus is to practice first-time obedience. Don't wait for mom and dad to ask you three or four times. You lovingly, follow, all the parents go, yeah, huh? You listen to Carl? Follow their instructions the first time. What does humility look like? What does it look like? In the end, it looks like Jesus. His love, the love of Jesus, was an act of the will, and it was difficult.
1: Submitting to Jesus and others is the path to abundant life. In order for us to live, we need to die In order for us to be exalted, we need to be humble. In order for us to be healed, we must be broken.
0: Jesus is the example of what it looks like to give up our rights. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians 13, he paints this practical picture of what it means to surrender rights in relationship. This is for every believer, married, married or single. So I'm going to ask all of us to stand together, please, with us. And we're going to read 1 Corinthians 13 with a little bit of a twist. And so what I want you to do is in the blank, just insert your name. So it's going to sound a bit chaotic, but your name, and then we'll go through each one, and then we'll close together. So let's begin. Carlos is patient and kind. kind. Carlos is not Not jealous. jealous. Carlos does does not not boast. boast. Carlos is is not proud. Carlos is is not not rude. Carlos does Does not demand his or her own way. Carlos is not easily angered. Carlos keeps keeps no record of being wronged. Carlos does does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever whenever the truth wins out. Carlos never gives up, up, never never loses faith, is Is always always hopeful, hopeful and and endures endures through through every every circumstance. circumstance. Does that describe you? Not in perfection, but does it describe you, just in increasing measure, as by faith you walk with the Lord? Does that describe you? Let's commit to be people that freely surrender this idea that we have any rights, Let's seek mutual submission, all for the glory of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the truths that we're thinking about and talking about today. And so whether we've been at it for a year or two as a believer, or in our marriage if we're married, whether we've been at it for a couple of years or a hundred years, Lord, you call us to grow in increasing measure in just letting go of this idea that it's all about me. So help us, Lord, in that struggle. Help us to love well, to seek justice that comes from an understanding that you want us to have the abundant life, and that includes and requires surrender, humility, and dealing with the pride in our hearts. This we pray, all for the glory of Jesus and in his name, amen. Amen. God bless. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next weekend.